0: Morning everyone, it is such a privilege to share with you today and I'm so excited at what God is doing amongst us. I mean if you just look uh, from where we were before lockdown happened and then sort of uh, organically different people started to lead different sites as we were able to and now we're sitting at four sites uh, meeting uh, right now as you are listening to this and we've got a whole selection across uh, the northern suburbs, we've got different age brackets, we've got uh, teens meeting, we've got kids uh, meeting, uh, we've got uh, a younger group, the crew site, uh, you guys are legends, so keep it up, but I've started a running club that anyone's welcome to join, so if you guys uh, have some time and you want to run, that's happening, but we're just thrilled to see what God's doing, and he's really the one that's taking on a momentum of its own. And it's just, it's such a privilege and it's such a joy to be part of it. So if you aren't, if you're sort of watching now from uh, at home on your couch or, or maybe just with your family, I just want to encourage you and just say, uh, there's so many opportunities for us to connect face to face, to pray with each other, to encourage each other. So get along to one of the sites. It will be amazing to have you back in the mix. So we just rejoice at what the Lord's doing and we're expecting for more. We're just saying, Lord, what else do you want to do amongst us? Where else do you want a site launched? How else do you want to grow your kingdom through us as a church? And so if you're sort of feeling shy, I'm just not really, I don't really feel like I'm giving too much. I don't really feel like I'm doing too much. I want to say uh, there's opportunity. Get in touch with us and we will put you where your passion is um, so that you can get stuck into the kingdom through the local church. So uh, I want us to pray together. Um, As we dive into, I'm doing a a talk from Jonah, a part that I think is particularly important to us uh, as a church, to where we're at as a nation. So let's pray and then we will take it on a little bit further. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here amongst us. God, thank you that you are the King of kings, that you are the Lord of lords, that you reign supreme over every government, over every political party, uh, over every nation, over everything that's happening in our personal lives. You reign supreme. Whether we submit to you and follow you or not, you still have rulership. And I pray that as we dive into uh, these, these verses in Jonah, I pray that you would challenge us to the core. I pray that you would awake us from our sleep if we're sleeping. I pray that you would give us your heart for the broken, your heart for uh, where we are and that ultimately you would get the glory over these few minutes that we spend together. Your powerful name we pray, amen. So I remember looking, uh, this is, I don't even know how many years ago now, at social media posts, the moment news came out that President Mugabe, the ex-president of Zimbabwe had died. He had obviously uh, been ousted from uh, from power. He uh, had then headed off for medical reasons to uh, Singapore. Uh, he was in his 90s, wasn't uh, well at all and en- ended up dying in Singapore. But I remember looking at social media posts and seeing people, uh, posts with sort of wine bottles and champagne and cracking them open and saying, oh, I've waited for like 15, 20, 25 years to celebrate the death of this man. And others saying, uh, you know, um, making sort of funny memes and jokes uh, about, uh, um, about him and the afterlife and all those sorts of things. So I remember this vividly happening. But what did, what did life look like for him as he walked through the doors into eternity? I mean, is it possible, i ask this question, is it possible that in his final few weeks, maybe even that moment before he walked into eternity, is it possible that he gave his life to Christ? Now, we're never going to know that, right? We haven't heard any stories on it, but is it possible that in those moments he, he, he had an upbringing where he, he understood the gospel, he had an upbringing where he would have heard it, is it possible that he pleaded and asked for forgiveness those moments before he died, and actually right now he's in the presence of the living God? It's possible, it is possible possible it may seem unlikely but it's possible you see no one is beyond the reach of God's love no one is beyond his mercy and grace not one now you might be sitting reeling in your chair you might be getting angry with me right now you might be getting it may be welling up anger of of something that happened to you during his time of leadership um, something that was taken from you uh, something that happened to your family members that were hurt this might be happening as you are sitting you might be getting angry at me. You might want to turn off what you're watching right now. I just want to say, hang on for a short little bit, because you know what? Jonah, who we're going to look at now, felt identical to, you might be, to how you might be feeling. Jonah, the prophet, uh, when he was asked to go and speak to the people of Nineveh, this is how he felt in what we're going to read. And God really was trying to get across something to him in that process. And I feel it's a challenge God has for each of us, including myself. So if if, um, you don't know the whole story of Jonah and there may be people who don't know, basically God asked him to go and uh, share a message with people in Nineveh. These were Gentiles, anyone non-Jewish, they were warlike, they were nasty, they were known for torturing people. They were people you didn't wanna go to But God said, hey, Jonah, I want you to go and speak to these people. Jonah said, "Mm, I'm going to go the other direction. So he heads off. God brings a storm. God brings a fish um, uh, to to get him back on track to the life of purpose God's called him to. And he uh, ends up getting spat out. He now is um, at the place where he is now going to be obedient to what God has said. There's maybe been a heart change. We're not sure yet, but he is about to be obedient to what the Lord has said said. So we pick up the story in Jonah chapter three. Um, We pick it up. Let me just quickly get to it here. So we pick it up here. Um, The Lord has commanded the fish. It's vomited Jonah out onto dry land. He's probably kind of stinky. Uh, He's uh, pretty hungry. He might even be quite pale because he hasn't seen the sun for a little bit. But this is what happens. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message that I tell you. Jonah got up he went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. Isn't God so gracious with us? Jonah has gone the opposite direction. He has traveled absolutely opposite to God's will. And God continues to call him, to draw him, to bring a storm, to bring a fish, anything to get him back to the purpose that he has called him to. I want you to know that right now he has a plan and a purpose for your life. It's a plan and purpose that only you can fulfill that he created you in your mother's womb intricately to fulfill. And the only way that you're going to find that purpose and that joy of life is when you're following him, when you're obedient to him, no matter what it looks like. But if you've been running in the opposite direction, I want you to know that there's always a second chance. There's a third chance. There's a fourth chance. He's calling you. He is drawing you. And eventually Jonah decides to go with God. Now, we don't know yet at this point in the story what his heart condition was like. So he obeyed God, but did he obey because he thought it was duty to obey? Because he was obligated to? Because he was scared that he might get hit with another storm or another fish? Well, he's now on land. So maybe taken out by a lion, but you wouldn't really fit in the, in the line anyway. But you, maybe he's going, okay, I better now obey God and do what God's called me to out of fear. We're still not exactly sure. Maybe he's doing it because it's what you're supposed to do. If you're an upright person or someone who knows of God, you go to church, tick the box. Maybe you have a Bible in your house and occasionally open it, tick the box. Maybe you say grace uh, on a, uh, on a, at dinner or get kids to say grace because it's what you do. We don't know yet whether it's just a what you do for Jonah or whether he genuinely cared for the people. Friends, when it comes to faith in Christ, there is a huge difference between love and duty, between love and obligation It's massive. God cares about our heart as we do the work rather than the work itself. You see, God didn't create the world out of duty. He didn't come and die on the cross for us out of duty. There was action, yes, but it was motivated by love. That was the motivator. He didn't send Jesus to pay the price for our sin because he had to, because he was obligated to, because he was supposed to. It's because he loves us. It's because he cares for us, and so love drives his actions, and he wants love to drive ours. He wanted love to drive Jonah's actions as he went to Nineveh. Let's pick up the rest of the story. Now, Nineveh was an extremely great city, a three-day walk. This doesn't mean that it, it was a three-day walk to Nineveh. It actually means it was a three-day walk sort of around Nineveh and the surrounds, because it was probably surrounding villages. So it was a long way to get around if he really was to get this message to everyone. Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, in 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. Then the people of Nineveh believed God. He didn't go on extra days. He did one day. The people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. This is what people did in mourning, put on sackcloth. This was them going, oh my goodness, something terrible is about to happen or has happened and we need to change. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne. He took off his real robe. He put on sackcloth and sat in ashes. Then he issued a decree in Nineveh. By order of the king and his nobles, no person or animal. Take this. He wanted the animals to mourn. This joke was serious about the mourning or the flock is to taste anything. So these animals didn't even get to eat. He was like, no ways. We are in mourning because what of the place we are under God. And the animals will also be Morning, they must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both people and animals must be covered with sackcloth. I don't know how you got that sackcloth over all the animals, would have been interesting. And everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from his evil ways and from his wrongdoing. Who knows? Like I'm I'm not exactly sure if God is actually going to save us from this calamity that's coming, but God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger, so that we will not perish so as Jonah speaks the king feels the weight of God's of of God's wrath against sin he feels this the people feel this weight it's like a supernatural weight comes down and suddenly they're cut to the heart much like what happened some of you may know in acts the holy spirits come and Peter stands up and he tells people you guys killed Jesus but actually you need to turn to him now and it says people were cut to the heart So that's what would have happened here as well. People were cut to the heart. They realized they're evil. They realized their sin. And they said, oh my goodness, God, we we want to do anything for you to give us life. We will do anything to turn from our sin. So they force the animals to mourn. They fast. They pray. They just cry out. They are desperate for God to change his mind, to not crush them. And they plead with God for forgiveness. They realize they're wrong and they turn to him. Do you know that the people most often closest to giving their lives to Christ are those who appear furthest away? Just like the people in Nineveh, they appeared furthest away from God's grace, from His mercy. But often it's the people who you least expect who actually are closest to a transforming relationship with Christ. See, those living in Nineveh were running in the opposite direction to the Lord. But when they heard His message preached by Jonah, There was like this instant transformation. They wanted to get right. It's often people who have come to faith from living the most terrible lives. Murderers, those living uh, under addiction, those caught up in prostitution. They are often the ones most passionate for him when he transforms them. Because they realize where they've come from. They realize the mess of their lives and the weight of their sin. And so when they understand his mercy and grace, they're the ones who become most passionate for him. They understand this love that pursues them relentlessly, regardless of how they've lived, because they know how they've lived. They know the way in which they've lived. And so they understand grace all the more. And so they want to live boldly for this God who saved them. And so there's countless testimonies of people who have come to faith from the worst of environments, from doing the worst possible things, and they are sold out for him for the rest of their lives. Why? Because they understand where they were and where they've come from. So this was their state. Verse 10, God saw their actions that they had turned from their evil ways. So God relented from the disaster he had threatened them with, and he did not do it. Isn't the compassion of our God incredible? Isn't his mercy and grace amazing? He is so patient. There's a passage in the New Testament where it says God waits patiently for people to come to him, for people to come to faith. He is so much more patient with me than he ever should be. He's so much more forgiving than he ever should be. I don't deserve it. He's so much more patient with you than he ever should be. We don't, we don't, require it from him he doesn't have to give it to us but he does he is patient again and again but when we die it's too late and I don't know who needs to hear this today I don't know who needs to hear these words today but God is so patient he is patient with you but but the time runs out when we die on earth and we don't know when that moment is but that is when the time runs out that's the allotted time and it runs out he is patient during all our lives on earth But there is a time coming when that patience ends where we've had to have made a decision. So don't wait. If you're sitting here and you're going, I haven't made a call yet to follow God. Do it right now. Give your life to him right now. Turn from your sin right now in this moment. If you haven't yet looked to the cross where he laid down his life for you, now is the time to do it. The people in the city of Nineveh at that time, they did. They turn to Jesus and I wanna challenge you. I wanna encourage you, turn to him right now. You need him, I need him. We need the price of our sin paid for. Jesus has done it on the cross, we just have to receive it. Best decision, most important decision you can ever make. But this is the scary part as I get towards the end. This is the scary part. Look at Jonah's response. This is terrifying. Jonah has seen the city turn around from their sin Look at what he says, chapter four, verse one. Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. He prayed to the Lord, please, Lord, isn't this what I thought while I was still in my own country? That's actually why I fled to Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. And now, Lord, take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. The Lord asks him, Is it right for you to be angry? Why is Jonah angry at God? I mean, this is the weirdest phrase, right? Why is he possibly angry with God? Shouldn't he be excited that on the back of his obedience, God has transformed a city? Shouldn't he be overjoyed that God has turned the lives around of these people? You would think so, but Jonah isn't. Do you know what he's basically saying? This is what he's basically saying. He's saying, God, I knew... In the first place when you asked me to go, that you were kind of gonna save these horrible, nasty, warlike people anyway. That's the kind of God that you are. I've seen you do it in the past, and, and I just kind of knew that you were gonna do this anyway. But to be honest, God, I don't really like those people. In fact, I don't think they should really be saved because they're that they're that nasty. They're Gentiles, they kill people, they torture people, they're probably involved in prostitution, and everything else. I I to be honest, I just didn't really want to see them saved. And so I didn't really want a part of it. So I went the other direction because I knew you were going to save them anyway. And now you kind of forced me to go and do what I didn't want to do. You kind of forced me to share the gospel with these horrible people. And now you're actually saving them. And I never wanted you to do that because they don't deserve you to save them. That's exactly what he's saying. It's terrifying, but that's what he's saying. They didn't deserve your grace, God. You should have scorched them to death. In fact, when I proclaim judgment, saying in 40 days, God's going to destroy you, that is what you should have done. You should not have changed your mind. You should not have saved them. You should have chired those guys. You should have killed them one time. They do not deserve your love, God. You might be saying, well, I am just so happy I am not like Jonah. I am so happy that I do not have his heart for other people. You know, Jonah did. But I'm just so thankful that I don't have that. I mean, what a nasty man. What a nasty man Jonah was. But this is where you and I, as we get towards the end, need to take a deeper look at our hearts. We really need to dive deeper into the core of our soul. We need to say, Lord, please show us our heart attitudes towards certain people. Show us if there's any attitude that we have, which is just a little bit like Jonah's. Because, friends, do you know that the people who are in most danger of not understanding God's glory, of not understanding God's grace, of not understanding God's mercy, of not realizing the weight and magnitude of sin when compared to a pure and holy God are those who are actually quite familiar with faith, are those who've maybe been brought up in a Christian home, maybe those who live an upright life, might not be Christ followers, but live an upright life in this world, those who know the proper way to live and the excellent way to act. Do you know that Jesus called those people religious and he didn't usually have anything good to say about them? I'm not saying it's bad to grow up in a Christian home, that's an amazing thing. I'm not saying it's uh, bad to go to church, that's an amazing thing, we should be doing it. But when we think that somehow the, we kind of don't really need his compassion, we don't really need his grace, we're above other people, we aren't as bad as other people, in that moment we're in danger Of moving into the religious category and that's the most dangerous place to live why is it so dangerous why did Jesus have nothing good to say about religious people well it's because heart and action didn't line up God cares about remember what I said at the beginning he cares about love driving action so often why he went against the religious people is because he said you guys are acting the right way you're doing the things but your heart is not In line with my heart, and that was the case with Jonah. We see that his heart did not line up with his actions, he was doing the stuff, he went and preached the gospel, but his heart was very far from God's heart. This is where we have to be super careful to constantly look to the Lord, to submit to Him with love, and make sure that we're living out of a pure heart because that's what really counts. You see it's often the good upright citizen who doesn't often feel that they need God's grace as much as other people. Often I've been in danger of this. Maybe you have as well, where you sort of feel like you're living the right way and you kind of start to go, you know, actually things aren't that bad. God should be pretty happy with me. You know, my, my sin isn't really that bad. I mean, look at other people in that moment. We're in a really dangerous place. We might sort of go things like, in fact, it's, it's kind of a right to me. It's kind of a right to me that God's nice to me because of the type of person I am. I mean, God kind of owes me the good life. He kind of owes me it because I, I kind of do the right things for you, God. Maybe we know the right Bible verses, but we're racist at heart. We know scripture, but deep down, we think other people are below us because of the color of their skin or because of their wealth bracket. Maybe we can talk in super spiritual language, But then we look down on other people who we don't think are as spiritual as us. As maybe they, you know, they aren't filled with the spirit as much as us. Or maybe they don't know as much scripture. And you know, they they just aren't as close to God because they just kind of don't don't know as much as me. Maybe we love Jesus. But we kind of know that he most certainly wouldn't ask us to go and reach out to that people group like those people in Nineveh. I mean, you know, I love God and all, but there's no way. those people a little bit below me like Jonah thought. Maybe we feel our sin isn't really much of an issue because look at what that person did to me or look at how they live. I mean, they should be concerned about where they're going one day, but you know, my sin's not that bad. I mean, I'm just throwing out some questions, but we need to really be challenged on this. Friends, that's a dangerous place to be living. My prayer is that you and I, anyone watching this now, would never lose the heartfelt gratitude and wonder at God's grace, His mercy, His compassion, what He did for us on the cross please don't brush this off as Jonah did. That's what Jonah did. He brushed off his standing with God. He brushed off how much God loved him and how much God had given him. He just brushed that aside. He did the stuff, but, but he didn't really take it on. Ask God right now in this moment, after we finish this message, maybe at the different sites, you, you, you might go into a little prayer time where you stand before God. Maybe you pray for each other and say, God, give us your heart. Show us, show us if there's anything within us that doesn't line up with you. We just again, as I close off with, we see God's graciousness to us as a father and a teacher. He, he tries to get Jonah's attention again. He really does try. Look at what he does. He just asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? Then look at Jonah, verse five. Jonah left the city and found a place east of it. He made himself a shelter there and sat in its shade to see what would happen to the city. He doesn't get it. He's still like maybe God's gonna change his mind and he's still gonna kill these guys. Even though God said, I'm gonna save them, I've changed my mind. He's like, no, no, I'm gonna sit and wait. I'm gonna wait here because I wanna see these guys get taken out. That's sort of how he is. Then the Lord God appointed a plant and it grew over Jonah to provide shade for his head to rescue him from his trouble. Jonah was greatly pleased with this plant. But when dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant and it withered. I mean, imagine this picture. Jonah's like, oh, lovely plant that's come up. Next day, God's like, no, 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 worm. Thank you. Can you just take out this plant? We spoke about God being in charge of creation. So worm, can you take this out? Now Jonah gets bleak with a plant. He's like, come on, man. You weren't there in the first place, but then you gave me shade. Now I'm angry. And uh, he's, he's so fuming with these people. He probably doesn't even realize that this plant grew that quickly to provide him shade anyway. Then as the sun was rising, God appointed a scorching east wind. The sun beat down on Jonah's head so much that he almost fainted and he wanted to die. He said again, it's better for me to die than to live. I mean, the soak is in the wars and God is trying to get his attention and he just is having nothing of it. Then God asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And Jonah says, yes, it's right, God. Um, He replied, I am angry enough to die. I'm angry with you. I'm angry with these people in Nineveh. I'm angry with the fact that you haven't killed them. I'm angry with this plant that died. Yes, I am angry. So the Lord said, you cared about the plant, which you did not labor over and did not grow. It appeared in a night and perished in a night. But may I as God not care about the great city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right and their left, as well as the many animals there as well. So God uses this plant and he even uses the animals. He's trying to do anything to get Jonah's attention in the story, to challenge Jonah that people and particularly their eternal destiny is far more important than his feelings, It's far more important that the plant that just rose up, gave him shade and died. It's far more important than the winds that just blew on him, far more important than the animals as well he's trying to say Jonah if you care so much about this plant can't you care for my people if you care so much for this plant that gave you shade and your anger please care about the people that I love these people are in the dark they can't make decisions properly their minds have been blinded by Satan so they can't see my light yet but they've they've just come to faith they've turned around they haven't been able to make decisions correctly They haven't had a relationship with me. They've been helpless, just like the animals in that city that haven't done anything wrong. Isn't it right, Jonah, that I care for these people, my people that I made and I created? And there the story ends. No answer from Jonah, no response from Jonah, nothing else in the book. That is how it ends. And that's purposeful. That's purposeful in the story because I think what God wants to say to us is, so will you be like Jonah? Is your response still the same as his? Or after I've shared everything, do you have my heart for people that you don't necessarily like? So what will your response and mine be in the story? You might say, well, that story is still pretty irrelevant to me. That story doesn't really mean that much to me. Of course, I have God's heart for anyone and everyone. Of course, I want everyone to come to know him. I mean, of course I do, Craig. Well, do you? Do we? Do we really? What about the Mugabe story that I That i just opened up with what about the person who hurt you emotionally or physically what about the person who treated you badly because of your skin color who took away something from you who said something to you what about the person whose bad driving or error caused someone who you love to suffer or die because of an accident that was caused what about the global leader who's driven by an anti-god agenda what about the business partnership that went south and money was taken from you and Maybe you've suffered loss in terms of society as a result. What about that person? What about these people? Is your heart for them to come to Christ? Was your heart for Mugabe? Were you praying and saying, Lord Jesus, bring him to faith? I don't care what he's done, but he needs you. Is that, is that your prayer? Is that your heart for people right now have done wrong to you? And, and I know in ourselves, we can't do that. I know only God's heart can help us in that process. Only God can move us from being a Jonah to being a Jesus follower who cares for people as Jesus does. It's my prayer that we would see past people's sin and what people have done to us, the most horrific of things, that we would be able to see them with the eyes of love and compassion that God has for them. You see, Jonah cared about this plant and he cared about the animals. And God was trying to wake him up and he was trying to say to him, Jonah, there are far more important things at stake. There are things way more important than the plants, the animals. But aren't we often more interested in insignificant things that we can miss what God's doing? Maybe it's the prices at the shops. Maybe it's our next holiday. Maybe it's the next vehicle to buy, the next the next business to open. But God is shouting, saying, yes, those are things. But he's shouting and saying, but I want you part of my story to save my people. I want you to be like Jonah with my heart. I want you to see with my heart. There's people who, are, who don't know their left from their right and they need saving. And will you be part of the story? That's what God's asking each of us today. Because the ultimate story of Jonah is the story of King Jesus who didn't try and go a different direction. But when God the Father said, I want you to go to the world, to Nineveh, to people who don't deserve love. Jesus, I want you to go there and I want you to to preach the gospel to them. Jesus did that, but he didn't just preach the gospel like Jonah, he died there in that city. He died in this world for you and I, that we might know him and he's desperate for others to know the same and for us to be part of that journey. So let's pray together as we close. Heavenly Father, oh Lord Jesus, please break our heart for what breaks yours. Please break our heart for people equivalent to what Ninevites were to Jonah, people who we don't like, people who've hurt us, people who we don't think deserve your love and compassion. Father, may we pray for them. May we love them. May we be obedient to your voice, but not because we have to, but because our love for you is driving our actions. Father, may you give us your heart where you stepped into our world, where you came to this world, almost Nineveh in a sense. You died. You died for our salvation. Father, I pray that we would be part of sharing your love, of sharing your truth, the truth that can sometimes be painful, the truth that can sometimes be confronting, but we would share it with love, that we might be many, see many people saved. God has harvest. Give us a heart for anyone and everyone. Give us your compassion. Give us your mercy. Give us your grace. I pray this in your powerful name. Amen. Amen, if you as um, site leaders wanna head into groups, if you wanna pray, if you wanna pray together, if you wanna stand before God and sing another song right now, you must do that. You must listen to him. Don't, don't, don't leave uh, your, your, your meeting, don't leave your couch, don't leave the lounge, don't leave the site without doing business with God, with letting him speak to you. Um, I know that he will. And uh, there's, there's many of his in this city, in Harare and beyond who he's, he wants to see come to faith. He's calling us as individuals us as harvest to be a part of it and i'm thrilled to see it happening and i can't wait to see it happen more in the future so be challenged be encouraged be inspired and uh, we we can't wait to see you at one of our sites soon thank you so much